Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another NFL Fantasy Flex episode of the award-winning Action Network podcast presented by BetMGM, the official odds provider of the show. I'm Matthew Friedman, the editor-in-chief of Fantasy Labs, and here with me are Sean Corner and Chris Raybon. Sean is the Action Network Director of Predictive Analytics, and Chris is a senior editor and analyst at the Action Network. They are two of the best fantasy football rankers in the world, and in this episode, we are highlighting the players at the top of our Week 14 rankings in the fantasy tool at Action Network. We are discussing the guys we're high and low on and looking at how they do in our Fantasy Labs models, and we are speculating on some player props and joining us for all of this for i believe his fantasy flex debut if not his debut then certainly his first show in a hot second is scott barrett the director of dank stats at fantasypoints.com scott one uh how is it going and then two do you actually have business cards or any business paraphernalia that says director of dank stats I, it's going pretty good i i don't i tell people that's what the business cards say but uh, Got to have those custom made for sure. Super beautiful Patrick Bateman style. So that's the plan. Yeah. And I should also say, I believe you are also uh, technically the uh, the czar of DFS at fantasypoints.com. I, I wouldn't want to leave off that title either because that is an impressive sounding title. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the one thing I'll say is as fantasy points own DFS czar, I think I'm very good at DFS. I don't think I'm very good at DFS on a Tuesday morning. So I'm excited to get owned by, you know, the great Sean Corner and your yourself and Chris uh, on this show. I, that's what I told everyone in Discord last night is like, oh, I'm going to get zo- owned so hard. You know, I haven't done the projections yet. I, I wouldn't be worried at all. There, there's plenty of cell phoning on this show, especially on this side of the microphone. Just tons of cell phoning going on. Uh, Raybon, I, I should mention, did you hear uh, it was corner first and then I was second and you were third, which uh, has to be one of the most humiliating 
instances that you've ever experienced in, in terms of Scott saying, uh, you know, who he's going to be owned by? I think Scott was team uh, Sternberger as well. Oh, so. oof. Oof. I just own this pod then. <laughs> All right. Well, this is uh, this is not getting off hey, to hey, a, hey, a who, good start who, for who scored who scored really. like two touchdowns last week. Yeah, was was uh, it Dan Arnold? I think it was Dan Arnold. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Freeman and I were so close to actually landing on Robert Tunyon. It was more of a system play, so it's kind of a wash. Before we jump into the show, uh, I need to remind everyone about the legendary Action Network podcast Tournament of Champions presented by Bet MGM. It's a free tournament on Yahoo for our listeners. Uh, you can join by clicking the link in the show description. Each week, the top 10 finishers get over $1,000 in Action Network prizes and the top five advance to the wildcard weekend grand finale where the winner will get a grand prize Las Vegas trip for two valued at $5,000 courtesy of BetMGM. Again, listeners can join for free every week. Click on the link in the episode description to join. All right, Scott, let's uh, get into the show and let's talk about the quarterbacks at the top of our rankings. The, the top three guys that we have right now and again, I should just remind everyone, it's Tuesday, early afternoon, as we are recording this. So rankings will certainly change uh, as we have updated news. But right now, the top three guys in our quarterback rankings are Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, and Aaron Rodgers. Scott, uh, do you see any uh, anyone else that you think should probably be included in the top three? No, I think that's a pretty solid top three. Okay, we are off to a flaming start. Uh, outside of the top three there, is there a quarterback or a couple of quarterbacks that you are pretty high on this week? Jalen Hurts. The announce Hurts is the starter. I think he's a phenomenal play this week. Uh, the guy I wrote up was Justin Herbert, just like I looked at salary, and he was just the first guy who really popped out to me. Uh, could be lower ownership than typical after you know his first real bad game. By my data, he's had the third toughest QB schedule to start the season, and he's done nothing but absolutely crush it outside of that one New England game. There is some sort of narrative that Atlanta's defense has massively improved, maybe. But, I mean, there's a long way to fall from worse to still being a pretty vulnerable matchup. They were good against Carolina in Week 8, good against Derek Carr in Week 12. Um, but I guess if, if I'm wrong, like you might want to hedge with Taysom Hill, you know, amazing upside as a runner. And, you know, he's looked good against Atlanta, hit 25 plus fantasy points against them in week 11 and week 13. Drew Locke tagged them for 30 in week nine. Uh, he's the second most passing yards through 11 starts ever, ranked seventh in fantasy points per game since week three. I, I see someone's going to tout Russell Wilson. I think there's only like 0.0 five fantasy points per game separating them over that span, but he's 6,800. Russell Wilson is 1,100 more. And so I just like him. I, he's like the good Josh Allen. Josh Allen is very Jekyll and Hyde, very matchup sensitive. And, and outside of this, you know, apocalyptically bad New England game, I think, uh, you know, he's, he's almost only ever looks like the good Josh Allen. Because Rayvon got his projections in so soon. Raybon, uh, hats off to you. Raybon, I'm going to let you go first uh, for quarterbacks. Who is the quarterback that uh, you are going to be high on relative to the consensus? First of all, I hope that Sean is mean to you again on this week's Convince Me because I feel like every week now you've been finding a different reason to go to me first. Like last week it'll be like, well, Raybon, because you had yours in weight, I'm going to go to you first. So like, I, I don't like this disrespect of Sean, but 
Uh, I hope I'm not taking his guy. Uh, I'm going with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, how are we like what? Like at this point, Aaron Rodgers, he had that one game against Tampa Bay against pressure. And, you know, he 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 does that sometimes. But he had another game against Philly and they get pretty good pressure and still throws for 295 yards and three touchdowns. He's been the hottest quarterback in the league. Uh, if you look at the game logs, you can't really find anything but that Tampa Bay is a blip. Whereas all these other guys, you're kind of like, mm, except for this one thing and maybe, and or is Kyler hurt or is, you know, Deshaun Watson doesn't have receivers. So it's like Aaron Rodgers against his Detroit defense that, uh, you know, Matt Patricia, Daryl Bevel at head coach doesn't really matter. Uh, the talent is lacking on this defense. And it's, it's one of those things where usually you see, you know, improvement under a new head coach, but in Detroit, remember, Matt Patricia got, had all these Patriots guys. So it's not like you can just – like he has guys to fit a specific kind of thing that he was trying to do. So it's, I think, a little going to be a little harder to improve that defense. So uh, smash spot for Aaron Rodgers, the fourth highest uh, price quarterback. Uh, I have him in, in the top three. Sean, who do you like this week? Well, first off, I appreciate uh, sticking up for me, Raybon, and not stealing my player. Um, this week, I, I am all about Matt Ryan here. Um, especially his DK price is 5,700. So he's pretty cheap. Uh, he's my QB eight to start the week. I, I, I think he's a sneaky play. Uh, the first reason, um, you know, he's due for some positive touchdown regression. You know, the Falcons rank in the top 10 when it comes to red zone trips per game with 3.7, but you know, they rank bottom three in red zone touchdown percentage at 50%. Oh, uh, you know, that's mostly why if I don't have young way ranked number one in uh, my kicker rankings each week. I just get so much shit on Twitter. Um, but, you know, they're due for some regression there. Uh, they pass at the ninth highest rate inside the 10. Todd Gurley's falling apart. So, you know, that that rate should only go up. Plus, you know, he, he should have Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones this week. And there's only been five games this year where he's had both receivers play more than 35% of the snaps. In those five games, he's averaged 23 and a half fancy points in the seven other games he's only averaged 14 points. So, you know, it's a pretty stark contrast and it goes to show how valuable um, those two receivers are when they're in the lineup. So, you know, I'm ranking his at a low end QB uh, one this week and love him at 5,700 on DK. All right, a guy that I'm high on. Uh, I mean, we have him ranked number one, so it feels almost stupid to say Russell Wilson, but I, I know that there will be probably uh, some people who prefer Rodgers, some people who prefer Mahomes this week. Uh, you know, you can maybe make a case uh, if you wanted to for some other players, but I, th I think it's Wilson uh, pretty easily for me. He's his best at home. He's his best as a favorite. And so he checks both of those boxes. And then he's going against a Jets defense that is starting three backup cornerbacks and just fired its defensive coordinator in Greg Williams. Like this just feels like a massive spot where Russell Wilson goes off. Uh, and I wouldn't say like he revives uh, all of the MVP talk, but he gives the, the, the Russ truthers something to cling to uh, in the final month of the season with a massive performance against a team that uh, is just aching to lose games. So, 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 yeah. so Friedman, do you think he's not going to be outscored by Taysom Hill this week? Uh, I think he <laughs> outscores Taysom Hill this week. Gotcha. Yeah. Just checking. Yeah, I mean, what what do you think, uh, Tim Tebow? Eh, no, do you, I, mean, I, I don't mean, think Taysom Hill is Tim Tebow. I'm, just, I'm no, I'm actually having Taysom Hill's a hard guy to rank this week. Like I, I, I have him like I think tenth, but I don't know if it was too low. So just, just wondering. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm on uh, I'm on Wilson. Okay, Barrett, 
where are you looking to fade? Um, I wrote down Deshaun Watson. Uh, and my reasoning behind that is he's the third highest price. Chicago uh, is in a favorable matchup. Uh, you know, he had some success limiting Patrick Mahomes last week. Uh, he also just has like kind of no one to throw to. And I think that's important. We know the splits with and without Will Fuller add to that. Now, uh, Brandon cooks, I, I don't even know what his status is, but you know, I guess there's a possibility he, he doesn't play. Um, but even if he does, it's just, you know, the, the splits with, without Will Fuller, I think are, are pretty dramatic. I ran the numbers. It was like a 30% drop off in passing fantasy points per game. And then there's like some crazy EPA splits. I, I mean, you can, you can make, you can find some crazy splits for, you know, just about anyone, but I, I, I do think that makes sense. Yeah. Not really on him. Sean, who are you fading? Yeah. I, I'm with Scott here. I'm fading to Sean this week. He's, you know, easily my most played quarterback this year in DFS, but this is certainly the weak end price point to fade him. Uh, his ceiling is obviously lowered without Will Fuller. Um, you know, it's going to be lowered even more at Chicago this week. They have David Johnson back, which means they can become a bit more balanced. Um, this should be a very low scoring game. You know, the, the total is 45 and a half at that MGM right now. Uh, and Watson has had a pretty big indoor outdoor split in his career. Uh, indoors, he averages, you know, 277 passing yards a game with 60 touchdowns and 18 picks. Um, outdoors, he only averages 249 passing yards with 35 touchdowns and 17 picks. Um, so yeah, I'll be, I'll be fading him in DFS as well. Raybon, who are you fading? Uh, I think Kyle Murray's a little bit risky here. Uh, the Giants, just because of the way they play, they try to, you know, they just kind of play ugly here. And we saw that kind of play out with Russell Wilson a little bit where it was a struggle, even though, you know, he had his, you know, top two weapons healthy and, you know, nothing really like wrong coming into that matchup uh the giants are number two in in, in draft kings points allowed and they're top five in almost every scoring system in terms of fewest points allowed to quarterback so Kyler murray sitting there at fifth um you know especially with you know we don't know is he fully healthy is he part healthy is he getting like progressively healthier um is he gonna run quite as much um, I think he's a guy that, uh, you know, you look at and you, you have to kind of stay away. And, and Kirk Cousins as well. Um, you know, he's kind of been a, a hot play these last couple of weeks in some in some good matchups. But um, now he's going against Tampa Bay and he's not Patrick Mahomes. So um, fading him as well. All right, Raybon, I'm actually going to take the uh, the quarterback on the other side of that matchup. I'm going with Tom Brady and uh, you know, looking at the rankings. Uh, Sean and Chris, you guys have him uh, around five and six. I prefer him a little more like in the eight to nine range. Uh, Brady for the past half decade has historically dropped off in the final month of the season. And, you know, maybe coming off of the bye, there will be uh, a little bit of rust there. But the real reason uh, is that the Vikings pass defense has improved uh, dramatically uh, in recent weeks. And, you know, maybe some of it is small sample, the matchups that they've had, but uh, they are now number seven in PFF coverage grade, number 11 in pass defense DVOA. Uh, and since rookie third rounder Cameron Dantzler returned from injury three weeks ago, like he's been, he's been good. Uh, and they've used him in shadow coverage. And then everything else has kind of fallen into place around that. Uh, and so with a little improvement from this defense and then, you know, with Brady being old, being in the final month of the season, uh, I feel like he's a quarterback one, but I think with a little less upside than 
I would have expected given the matchup if I were looking at this two months ago and seeing the state of that Viking secondary at that moment in time. All right, Sean, uh, you are going to give us the player prop for quarterbacks. Everyone should be sure to check out the Fantasy Labs player prop tool where the props with a bet quality of 10 have a 60% win rate over the past two years. And when player props are posted, you can bet them at BetMGM. Sean, give us the quarterback prop. So we don't know who's starting for the Eagles quite yet, but I wanted to do a Jalen Hurts prop anyway. Uh, considering Doug Peterson always does the opposite of what I want, I'm sure after we're done recording, he'll announce that Carson Wentz is a starter. So let's make this, whenever Jalen Hurts starts his first game, what will his passing yards be? Uh, and his rushing yards as well. So for his passing yards, I have the over-under set at 210 and a half and rushing yards I have set at 33 and a half. I will take the under for both, but um, I should say part of this is sort of tempered by the fact that I am assigning some passing yardage and just a little bit of rushing yardage uh, to Carson Wentz. Uh, just in the event that, you know, Hertz does so poorly in his first start that they switch back to Wentz. Um, but I will take the under. I have this closer to 200 and closer to uh, 24 and a half rushing yards. Yeah, I'll take the under on passing and the over on rushing. Uh, if you look at um, what, you know, it's obviously a small sample, but uh, what he's done in the week so far, he's scrambling uh, on his dropbacks over 20% of the time. Uh, and then, so that's in addition to, you know, he'll get probably a design run here and there. And that kind of mirrors what he did um, in college. And so I think that, you know, this Eagles uh, off, like it's not all on Carson Wentz, you know, we should put that out there. Um, this, this Eagles offense, their wide receivers struggle to win one-on-one -on -one, and um, Doug Peterson's not really doing much to help that. So I think that scramble rate will stay high. Uh, I think design runs are, are just a way uh, of, of how you're going to play when you play with uh, Jalen Hurts. Also the, the, you know, Miles Sanders is kind of regressing a little bit. So um, yeah, I think he'll be, he'll kind of be in that Taysom Hill category where he's going to, he's probably going to blow out the rushing yards week in, week out. Scott, what do you think here? Whatever, whatever Sean suggests, I'm sure is, <laughs> is an accurate projection. Uh, I'll just say for fantasy though, like massive, massive Konami code uh, upside. His 2019 season was the uh, fifth most fantasy points by any quarterback since about two, at least 2000. Only Lamar Jackson, Johnny Manziel, and Patrick Mahomes had uh, seasons ranking higher. Okay, I'm going to translate that for you, Sean. And we're going to say that Scott is taking the under on the passing yardage and the over on the rushing right. yardage. That's what I heard. <laughs> the NFL season is upon us, and our friends at BetMGM Sports are offering Action Network podcast listeners a great sign-up offer. Just make your first deposit using the bonus code ACTIONPOD and receive a 100% deposit match up to $500. They've got parlay bonus payouts, live betting markets, daily odds boosts, all sorts of great stuff. So download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTIONPOD to double your bankroll with a 100% deposit match up to $500. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in the great states of Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. And now, back to the show. All right, let's, uh, let's get to the running backs here. And the three guys at the top of our rankings, which, uh, again, you can find at Action Network. And I'm looking specifically just to uh, provide some clarity on this, looking at half PPR. Uh, the three guys at the top of our rankings, Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey, and Derek Henry. Uh, Scott, do you think that there's someone else who should probably be in the top three instead of those guys? I don't, I don't think so. I, I might have Christian McCaffrey one, though. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's fair. Can you talk a little bit about your thoughts on McCaffrey coming back from injury and what the split might be, the usage he might have, especially now that uh, DJ Moore uh, will not be playing in week 14 because of COVID? Week nine, uh, Ian Rappaport tweeted out that he was going to share drives with uh, Mike Davis. And then what did we see happen? He got 18 carries, 10 targets, absolutely smashed. Uh, and that was that was pretty typical for Ian Rappaport. So you'd love to see it. Love to see it move DFS ownership and then just completely ignore it and play the guy and he goes off. Uh, so that was great. Mike Davis, I mean, he hasn't really done anything. He, he, maybe he's banged up. He, you know, a big fall off from a, a pretty successful start. Uh, and it's it's just Christian McCaffrey. It's just it's just the goat. Uh, you know, never gonna doubt this guy. Just absolutely love him and will always go out of my way to play him whenever I can. All right. So Christian McCaffrey, number one, uh, aside from McCaffrey, are there any running backs that you are high on this week? Yeah. So I wrote down Miles Gaskin and Jonathan Taylor uh, as my two DFS values. And they're both like kind of cheap, but it was really just like, all right, two guys who just immediately popped out to me. There were a few more though. Uh, when I just, I just look back, but um, yeah, Jonathan Taylor, 5,800 uh, Las Vegas has given up the fourth most fantasy points per game. He's hit a hundred yards from scrimmage and back to back games, 35 carries, nine targets. Rivers is dealing with uh, a quote unquote severe form of turf toe. Maybe that means they, they, you know, go to Taylor a little bit more, especially after his recent success. And then, and then miles Gaskin, uh, I, I was all in on him this week, so so there's that. But I, I also think he was like one of those plays where you look back like, okay, well, he should have did this. He should have scored so much more than his 15.1 draft in his fantasy points, led all running backs and XFP on the week, which is huge. He had 23 touches, uh, six inside the 10-yard line. He just didn't convert any of those, but 141 yards from scrimmage. Uh, the matchup against a great game script, but he's not not going to have that this week. And you know, maybe the matchup's tough, or maybe it's not. Maybe maybe not. Melvin Gordon just went off against Kansas City. They're the most run on team in the NFL, adjusting for game script and situation. I, I think they are vulnerable against the run. The problem is it's just like so hard for teams to run on them when you know Patrick Mahomes is always scoring points or always the threat of putting a bunch of points on the board in a hurry. And, and all right, maybe, maybe the play is instead Melvin Gordon, who, who did just go off against Kansas city. He's now 400 cheaper than Gaskin and he gets Carolina, which we know is a, a vulnerable run defense, but those were just two of the guys who, who kind of popped out to me at salary on DraftKings. Raymond, who do you like at running back this week? 
So first of all, uh, I have James Robinson ranked number one. Uh, so Ooh. I like I, I like J Rob and I mean both of the running backs in that game uh, are, are just I think smash plays. But James Robinson, I continuously have to mention him based on principle because DraftKings refuses to respect him like the top three running back that he is. Uh, but going down the list, and this is – I can't believe this is two weeks in a row. I think Sean brought him up last week. I'll bring him up this week. Uh, but David Montgomery, uh, you know, another uh, home favorite spot against one of the league's worst run defenses uh, going against Houston. And he is uh, 6,500. So, like, when you look at the running backs up and down the list, you know, Montgomery – Yes, Cordero Patterson got some rushing attempts last week. Cordero Patterson gets rushing attempts every week. Um, David Montgomery is still um, playing a, a majority of snaps, and he's getting usage in the receiving game uh, against a bad defense, um, which he's lit up two weeks in a row. Um, he had the big game, you know, bad run defense against Green Bay. He has a long run. And then um, going against Detroit, he has 72 yards on the ground. He has uh, a couple touchdowns. So um, like Montgomery this week as well. Rayvon, to your points about Robinson and Montgomery, Robinson is definitely popping in some of our fantasy labs models. And Montgomery, uh, ever since uh, Tariq Cohen's injury, he's really had a, a pretty high floor in the passing game, uh, which you know makes him a, a much safer all-around play. So uh, certainly two guys to keep an eye on. Sean, who are you high on for Week 14? Well, I, I love the James Robinson call. I, I mentioned it a few weeks ago, I feel like, we as a fantasy community kind of take him for granted at this point, but it's incredible uh, what kind of season he's, he's had. So props for ranking number one. I actually have the other running back in this game, ranked number one, um, and that's Derrick Henry. I mean, Derrick Henry against the Jaguars in December is the most cash money spot you could write up. Um, you know, the past two seasons, his second game against Jacksonville have gone um, 19 carries for 159 yards and two touchdowns last year. And then the year before it was 17 carries, 238 touch, uh, 238 rushing yards and four touchdowns. So I'm expecting another big game here. Um, and, you know, Dalvin Cook, it, it takes a lot for him to not be ranked number one in my model, but he does have a tough matchup this week at Tampa Bay. So it's kind of a perfect storm for Henry this week um, where he's ranked number one in my model. Last week, I said it was probably the first time I was ever excited to start David Montgomery in DFS. And the same story goes this week. You know, Raybaugh mentioned it. It's it's a great matchup. He's at home against the Texans. It should be a close game, uh, more run-heavy game script than we see from the Bears. Um, so, yeah, even though he's going to be very, very heavily owned, I think, uh, he still makes a great cash game play. You can make a case maybe to fade him in GPPs because of his ownership, but I do like uh, Monty just as much as I did last week. John, talking about Derrick Henry, I mean, that uh, that first game against Jacksonville two years ago, I mean, that was the game that launched his career, you know, like the 99-yard touchdown run. Like, that was the beginning of uh, Derrick Henry. So, yeah, anytime he plays the Jags, it's uh, almost automatic that you you have to play him. If you're not in cash, at least in one GPP lineup. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? You, you got to live. Uh, okay, a guy that I'm high on is Austin Eckler. Uh, going against Atlanta, which isn't a great matchup, but uh, I, I think with him, matchup really doesn't even matter. He has a 20% target share in five games with Justin Herbert, and that's including his injury-shortened week four, in which I think he played you know maybe like two, three snaps, really not all that much at all. So, uh, I mean, just with that kind of receiving usage and let's say 10 to 14 carries, uh, he's 
I think going to be in the top five. So uh, pretty, pretty bullish on Eckler. Although I should say, I think Eckler was the, uh, the receiving yardage for Eckler was Sean, the prop that you gave us last week. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Raybon and I both took the over and that did not work out well. So I'm hoping that we get some positive regression there with Eckler. Uh, Scott, who are you low on this week? Yeah, I wrote up uh, in the, the show notes, Alvin Kamara, but then I saw you also wrote it up and then shared a bunch of great stats. So I'll just let you, uh, let you no, 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 no. So, so the thing is like, it's, it's a meme at this point, me being against Alvin Kamara on the show. This is like the third week in a row. Like people know what I'm going to say. I would love to hear your reasons for being low on Kamara. I really just want to read what you wrote and then just like take it from you. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of obvious. He's just like, he's not uh, effective with Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill, a dual threat quarterback, dual threat quarterbacks don't target running backs nearly as much as statuesque pocket pass passers like Drew Brees. Uh, So you just uh, completely remove the passing game from the equation. And it's just like, okay, he's going to get 14 to 16 carries and one to two targets. And it's like never worth the price. Like even if he is one of the best pure runners in football, 50 snap split with Latavius Murray, it's just, I mean, it's kind of obvious, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, I have him ranked 14th. I think of him more as an upside uh, RB2 as opposed to an RB1. He had an 8% target share over the past three weeks, two targets per game uh, with quarterback Taysom Hill. Uh, With the circumstances, I think he had actually one of the better performances he could have had last week. He had 97 total yards and a touchdown. Uh, And that was still just a low-end RB1 performance. Uh, In this offense, most weeks, I don't think he's going to get 97 yards. uh, And he scores a touchdown maybe half of the time in this Taysom Hill offense. Uh, And he won't get receptions. So all of that conspires, I think, to make him more of an upside RB2 than a locked-in RB1. Um, so, I mean, in redraft leagues, if you have him, I mean, I think you you still have to start him. You just have to adjust your expectations down a little bit. Sean, who are you low on? Uh, well, first off, some breaking news. Uh, it sounds like Jalen Hurts is going to start this week, so our, our props should still be good. Um, but I'm low on, I already mentioned, but Delvin Cook, he's not my RB1 this week, so I guess I'm low on him. Um, but in DFS, I definitely don't think he's worth the 9400 price tag this week. Um, you know, they're, they're facing Tampa Bay, who is, you know, one of the better run defenses in the league. And, you know, they've become more of a pass funnel defense, actually. You know, the last week they uh, let Mahomes throw for 462 yards on, which isn't too surprising. But Jared Goff also threw for 376. So this could be a big spot for Thielen and Jefferson. Um, and, you know, Cook, his body's taking a beating lately. And Alexander Madison uh, is out. I guess he has appendicitis or something. So um, in season-long leagues, you might want to stash Michael Boone just in case. And then Miles Sanders. I'm low on Miles Sanders. Uh, this is a brutal matchup at home against the Saints. Um, he just hasn't been getting the usage we would expect from him. Uh, he's been hovering on 45% routes run per drop back. Uh, in the four games since his return, thanks in part to our boy Boston Scott, um, seeing around 34% of routes run per drop back. Um, and he's just not getting the carries. And they, you know, they brought up Jordan Howard last week. So he's getting some of the, the short yardage work. 
uh, it's just a bad spot for him. And, you know, I've always said you can't trust an Eagles running back, but you, you especially can't right now. So I have Sanders ranked as my RB 27 and he's a complete fade at uh, 6,200 on DK this week. Raybon, who are you staying away from? Yeah, Sean. So we, we Sean definitely took the guy I was going to talk about because Miles Sanders. And it's funny because it's kind of for the same, for similar reasons, I think you could say as, as, uh, you guys don't like Kamara. I mean, with Jalen Hurts, the same kind of thing could happen. And we've already kind of seen the downturn in Kamara. I mean, Jordan Howard had like 17% of the routes run last week, which is just absurd. So, like, I, you know, it, Sanders just hasn't been effective um, in the passing game the way he was, uh, you know, a year ago. And I think, you know, that's really eating into his value. Um, you know, is that because of scheme? Is that something with him? Is it because of, you know, the injuries he struggled with all year? I don't know, but um, it's kind of concerning. And then uh, I'll throw out another guy, uh, David Johnson, uh, going against the Chicago Bears. You know, he came back last week and um, still didn't play quite as many of the uh, of the passing downs as Duke Johnson. And I think that might uh, continue. So against a, a strong defense, even though Houston uh, is missing some players in the receiving game and may lean on the run a little bit more. And Johnson did get some carries. Um, we saw kind of what he was in that pass in the run game earlier in the year. Um, just kind of empty, uh, empty stats and, uh, and not really impressive. So uh, I think Johnson is a guy who um, could easily just have a, uh, a really bad week. And so Sean and Chris, both of you guys are down on Miles Sanders and to put some numbers on it in our rankings right now, Sean, you have him 23, Rayvon, you have him 20. I also have him 20. So uh, we are all looking at him as someone in the bottom half of the RB2 range. Sean, give us the player prop for running backs. Well, obviously it's Derrick Henry rushing yards at Jacksonville this week. Um, And obviously it's way over 100. Uh, I'm going to set the line at 112 and a half. And I dare you to take the under. I dare you. Under. I'm taking taking the under. Yeah, Yeah, I haven't projected under. And I mean, last week, that was a decent matchup for him. Um, Didn't quite, you know, do what you expected. So, uh, listen, I I mean, he'll probably go over just from a, you know, historical perspective. But uh, my numbers do have him a, a few yards under. So I'm going with that. Rayvon, where exactly do you have it? I have it at 99 and a half, which feels too low. And I feel like I need to adjust it up. But that also sounds like a ridiculous statement to think that, you know, like around 100 yards is too low. But where do you have it? 99 and a half. Yeah, I have it at 100 flat. You're way too low. <laughs> 20, I, yeah, I'm, I'm 22, 20, oh, like 22.4 carries for uh, 100 yards even, which is, again, a lot. Like I'm pretty conservative with yards per carry just because like that's such a high variant stat that it's hard to project like five yards per carry. Now his, his, um, his market share in the, in a run game has been down a little bit recently. So uh, you know, if, if that goes up um, then you could get a, You could make a case for him to go over, but he's been in that kind of 80% range. Uh, whereas at, at some points in his career, he's been at like 95, 90, you know, or, or more percent of the backfield carries. So um, if you add a couple of, um, if you get him into that 90% range, then he would, uh, he would go over. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've been concerned about that as well, but last week, Mick Nichols only got two carries and Foreman uh, completely shut out, but you know, that was a, a really ne- negative game script. So it's hard to take too much away from that, but yeah, I, I was thinking they were just saving him for December was the reason for the past few games. Sean, how much market share of rushing production or, or carries rather uh, do you have going right now for Derrick Henry? In this uh, game? 
close to 90%. Um, like I said last week, they did kind of go away from the, the other two backs. Yeah. Um, so I'm expecting it to go up going forward, yeah. especially after a loss. I think, you know, they, they might have been trying to conserve him a bit and then they're going to unleash him here. So it's definitely going up in my model this week. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm, I'm too low. I need to adjust him up a little bit. Uh, Scott, any thoughts on Derrick Henry rushing yardage for, for week 14 going against the woeful Jags? Yeah, I don't really have an opinion on the the line he said. I mean, it, it it sounds good to me, but I I will say I think it's suspicious the justification uh, Sean used, which was second game against Jacksonville. Like that, that just doesn't seem to me like there's too much meaning there because I I used a similar <laughs> split. I used a similar split when he faced Jacksonville in week two. I was like, yeah, Derrick Henry averages 190 rushing yards and three rushing touchdowns per game against his last two games uh, at home versus Jacksonville. And then what did he do? He flapped his chalk in week two and he just like totally sucked. And then like the first games against Jacksonville, uh, I think he scored like a total of like nine fantasy points. So uh, I don't know. Yeah, isn't that that's, that's the beauty of statistics, right? You can tell whatever story you want, but the second game means it's later in the season and Raybon has his split on Henry's, you know, um, what is it, pre-winter and then post-winter? Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. No, he does know. So, Derrick Henry, I don't have the numbers <laughs> right in front of me, but I, I pointed this out earlier in the year. Derrick Henry has some ridiculous splits where he averages, like, three under four yards a carry in, like, September, October, and then, like, over five in November, December. So, I, I mean yeah. – oh, sorry, go ahead, Scott. Yeah, so, like, everyone knows those splits. I have the same, like, split, like – uh, before Thanksgiving, Derrick Henry averages 9.8 fantasy points per game, 4.4 yards per carry after Thanksgiving, 16 fantasy points per game, 5.4 yards per carry. And I think it is one of those things where it's just like, okay, remember like Ben Roethlisberger at home, um, uh, T Y Hilton at home or in domes and like it, a lot of things where you can like sell yourself on the argument. And I think it's like true to a very small degree, but probably not to the degree where you're like basically doubling his fantasy production. Okay. Like how could we logic this out? And it's okay. Derek Henry, uh, you know, beats up on, on beat up defenses where like everyone's a little banged up at this point in the season. And like, you know, starters are out. Like I, okay. I get it. Also at the same time, but like, what, like, isn't Derrick Henry also banged up to a degree? No. Like he's had no. a million. And no, the answer he, is no. no he's a human, <laughs> yes. human little tractor, uh, El Tractorito. But, uh, but yeah. I, I will say this. I will say this. He may not be banged up, but the Tennessee offensive line is. Mm-hmm. And That's that fair. could be part of the issue. But I think this really comes down to, and, and I do have the numbers now, it's 3.888 in September, 4.33 in October, 5.60 in November, 5.31 in December in terms of the yards per carry. But I think the real question is really more so what do we project for his backfield share? Because I have around this for the season, it's it's right around 80%. So I have it at that because he's been like 80%, 88, 69. Like, you know, he's been jumping up and down in that in that you know, category. So if, if you projected higher, then you'll have him, you know, well over a hundred. If you have him around a season rate, you'll have him right at a hundred. All right, so Sean, I'm translating what Scott said into an under. Yeah, yeah so, an under. That's what it sounded like. To yeah, me so you, you've got three unders here staring at you, which it seems like you're probably fine. You're probably yeah, I'm fine, fine with that. Taking that. I'm fine yeah. with that.
Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. All right, at wide receiver, the three guys at the top of our rankings, we have Devontae Adams, Tyree Kill, and DK Metcalf. Uh, you can make an argument for a number of other guys who could potentially sneak into the top three. Scott, what are your thoughts on, uh, on the top three of Adams, Hill, Metcalf? Anyone else you think should be included instead of one of those guys? Uh, I mean, I think that's fine. You, I, I think you can make a case for someone else instead of Metcalf, but I, I, I'm probably not going to be the one to, to make that argument in, in such a smash spot. Okay, well, who do you like this week? Um, I like uh, A.J. Brown up against, you know, backup cornerbacks, Trey Herndon, Luke Barku, Josiah Scott, uh, Jefferson and Thielen dropped nearly fantasy points last week, Landry, 28 the week before that Deontay Claypool 40 weeks the 40 points the week before that MVS and Adams nearly 50 points the week before that Fuller Cooks nearly 40 points the week before that um, he's averaging 18.5 fantasy points per game since week five he hit 21 DK and five of nine uh, he's still pretty cheap uh, although I we shouldn't sleep on Corey Davis too who, who deserves just like a small shout out he's hit 65 yards in his last four games double-digit fantasy points in every game, but one um, 16.9 DraftKings fantasy points per game is, is pretty high at his 5,700 price tag. The other is um, Allen Robinson. I think this is interesting uh, just because you and I got into a little Twitter scuffle over Bradley Roby one week. I was massively tilted because instead of going all in on Devontae Adams like I should, I split it with uh, DeAndre Hopkins at much lower ownership in a smash spot against Seattle. And that really made a huge difference in my week. But I, my thinking was Bradley Roby, like was playing like a lights out cornerback this year, you know, routinely one of PFF's worst rated cornerbacks, but this year, like every tape guy I talked to uh, every number you want to look at was, was pretty dominant against opposing wide receiver ones. And then he played one literal snap. He got hurt got hurt, didn't come back in the game. Devontae Adams went absolutely nuclear with Roby out. This goes from like a bottom 10, bottom 12 matchup for opposing wide receiver ones to easy top three, top five. Yeah. And what have we seen? We've seen T.Y. Holden back from the dead, 25 fantasy points. DJ Chark, uh, 28 fantasy points the week he sat out. Adams scored 45 uh, when he got hurt. Uh, just also like worth noting, like Trubisky's a massive bump up for Allen Robinson, uh, 29% target share with Trubisky this year versus 22% for Foles over his last 12 games, uh, 10.5 targets, 118 air yards, uh, 19.3 XFP, 19.2 fantasy points per game. Those are all easy top three or top five numbers. So, so I like him quite a bit. And then, uh, Michael Thomas, I mean, like when you have the chance to, to invest in a, a passing game option in a, a Taysom Hill, offense how can you how can you not uh he hit nine catches 100 plus yards and two of three Taysom Hill starts 
36% target share, 51% yardage share. Uh, and then similarly to, you know, Bradley Roby, Darius Slay is dealing with a calf issue and he's just been absolutely dunked on uh, 28 fantasy points for DK Metcalf, 34 fantasy points for Devonte Adams. I, I don't even know if he plays this week, uh, which would again, you know, bump this from, you know, if he's perfectly healthy, like a bottom five matchup to a, a top 10 matchup uh, at the very least. And uh, yeah, no one's probably going to play him. No one played him last week. And, and those are my thoughts. Yeah. Great stuff there. Uh, to your point about uh, Allen Robinson, you know, whether he's going against uh, Vernon Hargraves, the third or Philip Gaines, kind of whichever side of the field he's lining up on, he's going against a guy who yeah. probably should not be uh, starting in the NFL. So fantastic spot for Allen Robinson. And then uh, I agree wholeheartedly uh, with Michael Thomas going against Darius Slay, who the past two weeks has just been absolutely destroyed first by DK Metcalf and then by Devonte Adams. Uh, I mean, I don't know if this point, uh, if Darius Slay even has a soul in his body. Uh, it's just, uh, I mean, he's, he's looking very lifeless out there. So as you say, he might not even play this week. Uh, so good spot for Michael Thomas. Raybon, who are you high on? Yeah. So I love Scott's calls on those two Titans uh, receivers, uh, AJ Brown, uh, in early projections, I actually have him number three. Um, so uh, love A.J. Brown and Freeman. I know you loved A.J. Brown uh, last week on, on the live show and came within like a yard of uh, getting that touchdown. So uh, I, I'm sure he'll I, – I, I, I think he will get in the end zone this week. Um, he has a top five matchup. And, and Corey Davis, you know, for, Scott mentioned it, you know, extremely consistent. So like him too. And then uh, I'll mention a guy kind of on the low end that's going well, – well, two guys that are going, will go a little under the radar – um, one is Tim Patrick, uh, for the Broncos. He's now had uh, double digit fantasy points in, uh, all but two of all but two games since week three. Uh, he's, he's kind of turned into that most you know, that top target for Denver. Cause Jerry Judy, you know, he's been, I think a little banged up, but also, uh, the, like it's maybe he's getting a lot of defensive attention. It's kind of hard to tell, but he's just not catching the ball at a high rate. So like the catch rates right around 50%. You're talking about Jerry Judy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've talked to like three uh, tape experts, uh, mm -hmm. either current PFF employees or former PFF employees, like the, the really good ones that keep locked in the basement, just grinding tape nonstop. And they all said the exact same thing to me, which is just Jerry Judy gets open at will constantly. Like, I don't know why Drew Locke doesn't just like throw him the ball always because he's always open, but he just doesn't do it. Drew Locke's a dummy and their tape is so painful to have to watch each week. It's just Jerry Judy getting open and then not getting the ball. I mean, he's had a drop issue too. Like he doesn't look like a comfortable catcher of the ball. Uh, but like everyone says the same thing. Like the problem is not on Judy, which I, I love to hear as a guy who, who has him in a lot of dynasty leagues. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of hard because you watch it and you don't, it's not like you see him struggling. So yeah, that makes sense that he gets open. I think it, there could obviously be a trust issue there. Um, you know, with Locke and, and him because he has had some drops. But either way, um, Tim Patrick has been that guy. And going against Carolina, a defense that's not going to get a, a lot of pressure. It's going to kind of sit back, uh, play some zone. Uh, this is another spot where Tim Patrick could have a surprisingly uh, good game. And then uh, for the Jets, you know, Denzel Mims was disappointing last week. Uh, you know, had two for two catches for 40 yards, but only three targets. Um, I, I think that, you know, this week, Denzel Mims going against Seattle, who's still dead last in 
uh, in terms of defending wide receivers. Uh, this is a smash spot for him. I'm not going to be deterred by the kind of slow, slow down week uh, after, you know, last week. I'm going right back to Mims. Uh, I think he's due for just a monster, monster game. And he's still getting, you know, good, good A dot on his targets and uh, going against another cake matchup. Sean, who do you like this week? Yeah, so you guys mentioned him, but uh, I do like Corey Davis here, especially at 5,700. He's been on fire of late. He actually has more points than A.J. Brown over the past six weeks. Um, Now, I was a bit worried that Adam Humphrey's return last week could eat into his underlying usage. Nope. He posted uh, 11 catches for 182 yards and a touchdown last week. So I think the the time of him being under the radar is over, but I still like him here. Uh, the only worry would be, you know, the passing game volume might be a bit lighter in what could be a blow. And, you know, because it's going to be Derrick Henry week. Uh, but other than that, I do I do like Corey Davis as like a low-end wide receiver too here. Uh, and I'm with Raybon here. You know, I was big on Denzel Mims last week, and he kind of disappointed. But, you know, a lot of the times – I'll be on a guy who I think is going to break out and it's the next week where he finally breaks out. So I got to stick with him here. Uh, and he actually, his first catch of the game on the first drive, I thought he was going to get in the end zone. He fell just a bit short. Uh, and then, you know, this was a pretty close game, so they didn't have to throw much. I think Darnold only had 23 pass attempts and it was a Jamison Crowder game. So that could change here at Seattle where, you know, the Seahawks are going to be pretty pissed off. Uh, and should blow out the Jets here. So this could be a pretty pass-heavy game for the Jets. So, yeah, I love Mims at 4,100 here. All right, I'm with uh, all of you guys on uh, on the Titans. Uh, A.J. Brown, love the spot for him. And Corey Davis has basically been, you know, in terms of targets, uh, receptions, yards, he's basically been A.J. Brown minus the touchdowns. Uh, but, I mean, he's he's right there uh, in terms of, of what he's doing on a per-opportunity basis. So uh, love both of those guys this week. Scott, who are you low on? Uh, I am low on Devontae Parker. And just uh, looking at his numbers with and without Ryan Fitzpatrick. So he has a 17% yardage market share with Tua and then 28% with Fitz. And then you also have to factor in that Tua is averaging 178 passing yards per start versus 256 passing yards uh, per start for Ryan Fitzpatrick. And it's, it's, I think it's a stylistic thing as well, where Tua has said he likes to throw to the open man and, you know, Fitzpatrick likes to just give guys a shot, uh, make contested catch situations, but yeah, really just the difference between Tua and Fitz starting is just like, I cut uh, Parker's receiving yards in half, maybe, maybe even more than that, to be honest. So uh, just, just don't like him with Tua starting. John, who are you fading? Well, you guys mentioned him, but uh, Jerry Judy is a fade for me. Uh, he's my wide receiver 50 right now. Um, as Scott mentioned, you know, he's he's being held back by Drew Locke right now. And he's, you know, he's probably playing at less than 100%. He's dealing with an ankle injury. There just isn't enough yards to go around to to fuel fancy value for him, Tim Patrick, KJ Hamler, and Noah Fant. Um, so, you know, you never really have more than one or two of these guys really hit fantasy value. So I'm low on Judy here. And then DJ Chark, um, similar situation with him. Last week his ECR was in the top 25, but I was outside the top 30. And I'm even lower on him uh, this week, despite the great matchup against the Titans. Um, you know, just th- there's a ton of targets uh, needed to go to, you know, LaVisca Chenault, Keelan Cole, Chris Conley, and now Colin Johnson's 
uh, seems like he's in the middle of a breakout and they're, they're getting Tyler Eifert involved. You know, this is one of the situations where, you know, if Gardner Minshew were to take over a starter again, I think I'll get back on the DJ Chark train because, you know, they, they have pretty good chemistry. But as long as Mike London's starting for the Jaguars, I'm going to be off of uh, DJ Chark. Yeah, uh, Sean, uh, I'm with you there on Shark. Uh, you have him number 37 in the rankings. I have him 38. Raybon has him 32. I mean, all of us outside the top 30 for him. Uh, and it's, yeah, I think a lot of it is the combination of quarterback and uh, Colin, Colin Johnson coming into the lineup and uh, stealing targets that otherwise you would allocate to, uh, to Shark. Raybon, who are you low on? So, uh, I'll mention in that same game, I'm actually also low on Chenault. As much as I love Chenault, I've been kind of banging the drum for him all year. He was actually the one that that played that uh, back, you know, back seat to Colin Johnson, and 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 it was Chark and Cole and Colin Johnson who were the top three, and then Chenault was in the thirty in the thirty percent in terms of routes run per drop back. He did get the touchdown, um, but I think that um, you know that's you can't. Uh, kind of count on a guy doing you know getting a touchdown on limited routes each each and every week so um down on him but um going higher up here michael thomas um you know michael thomas had the he's had the, the two good games against atlanta and uh now you're going against philly and you, you say okay you know philly's a team that D- Devontae adams just you know took to school here with the two touchdowns over 100 yards but um, michael thomas's routes run per drop back just have been at a a very kind of shaky place in terms of, uh, you know, maintaining consistent production, especially with Taysom Hill, you know, less pass volume than Drew Brees. So Michael Thomas, um, he came back and he had in his first game with, uh, with Hill, he ran a a route on every drop back, but the last two weeks uh, it's been 64%, 79%. So we just can't trust that necessarily he's going to be out there every snap. And that just creates a lot of variance. So, Michael Thomas, the guy I'm down on. And then, and then Terry McLaurin, um, we finally saw a defense kind of shut him down. Uh, maybe it was due to injury, but this San Francisco defense, I think they also are capable of kind of do, uh, taking him away. You know, they do have you – know, they are getting healthier on, in the secondary. So um, a little concern there with, uh, with Terry. Okay, a guy I am low on is Mike Evans. Uh, I have him ranked number 30 going against Minnesota. And this goes along with the uh, the Tom Brady analysis earlier. Evans has 11 touchdowns. So one of the, the league leaders in uh, touchdowns receiving, but touchdowns are fickle. And again, I think Cameron Dantzler uh, is going to shadow him. And Dantzler has the size at 6'2 to uh, be a little bit physical with Evans, or at least more physical than the normal cornerback is with Evans. Uh, Dantzler is young, and I'm not ready to say at all that he's a, a shutdown type of defender. But for the past three weeks since he returned from injury, he has legitimately been uh, near great. Uh, And Evans, uh, his target volume can be inconsistent. So I think he's more of an upside wide receiver three uh, instead of a wide receiver two. Sean, give us the prop. So the prop is which wide receiver duo will combine for more DK points this week? DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, or Adam Thielen? And Justin Jefferson. That's a really good prop. You should have given us a little bit of heads up so we could <laughs> we could have it. Well, let me let me stall a bit. So there. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are playing the Jets. Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones are playing the Chargers, and Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson are playing the Bucks. I am going to go with uh, DK and Lockett going against the Jets. 
uh, in part because I already said that I think Russell Wilson is the number one quarterback, and I think he's going to get those points by throwing touchdowns all over the place to his two wide receivers. Yeah, I'll go with uh, DK and, and Lockett as well. You know, they those guys, if you, first of all, their target share, you know, along with Jefferson and Thielen, but their target shares are just so locked in um, as a top two. And the, like, I still think Tampa Bay's defense against a guy like Kirk Cousins is worrisome, not necessarily because of Thielen and Jefferson, but because of Kirk Cousins. You know, he's always liable to kind of have a bad game, whereas Russell Wilson going against the Jets coming off a bad game, a great spot for him. And uh, with Greg Williams fired, I mean, that's great and all, but the Jets still have these, you know, an undrafted corner on one side and a fifth rounder on another. Like the talent really isn't there in that secondary. So um, at least in, you know, with, with Thielen and Jefferson, those, you know, going against Tampa, that, that they still do have some talents uh, in that secondary. And then uh, Atlanta, you know, it's, it, you know, the Chargers also do have some, some talent there. Scott, what are your thoughts here? Yeah. So I know Sean has Russ in his top three QBs this week, but I also know He's he's lower on uh, he's pretty low on Dalvin Cook, which makes me think, you know, maybe Minnesota's receivers smash. I mean, Tyreek Hill scored 200 plus receiving yards uh, in a half against them in week 12. Uh, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods both dropped 130 plus receiving yards against them the week before. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Minnesota's wide receivers. And I just know if I double stack the Seahawks wide receivers, the, you know, Chris Carson and David Moore will combine for three (laughs) receiving touchdowns. That's just the way it goes. But yeah, I I think they obviously have the most potential this week. I I would just, I'd be worried about their ceiling just because I think they should blow them out. But I I do think Thielen and Jefferson are a pretty sneaky uh, double stack this week. All right, let's go to tight ends. The three guys at the top of the board, we have Kelsey, Darren Waller, and TJ Hawkinson. Uh, you know, you could make, I think, a lot of arguments for whoever goes into that third spot. Uh, the top two seem to be pretty set. Scott, outside of the top three, who are you high on this week at the position? Yeah, so I, I think Hawkinson is the the lock tight end three, by the way. I think he's actually a really good play. Just look at his, his uh, I think he has like five more 50-plus yard uh, receiving yard games than Darren Waller this year. Uh, he's seeing really good target quantity with Kenny Galladay out in addition to phenomenal target quality. Uh, but, but my guy is Cole Komet just cause he's so cheap. And like, I love punting tight end. It's like the new fantasy defense outside of those top three guys and really goes a, a long way to giving, letting you pay up for the other more valuable positions uh, seven targets last week, one target for Jimmy Graham, about a 79% snap share the last two weeks. Rayvon, who do you like? Jordan Reed, revenge spot. I, I honestly don't know if any more analysis is needed. I, I think yeah. that is enough. <laughs> uh, Sean, who do you like here? Yeah, there's actually some pretty good revenge games. We have Dalton against the Bengals. Uh, love the Reed call, and I love the commit call, uh, but the tight end flyer this week for me is Mo Ali Cox at 2500 i mean essentially if you're not taking kelsey or waller you're taking a flyer anyway might as well take the guy that's actually leading this three-way tight end committee on the colts um you know he's led the colts uh tight ends in routes per drop back for four straight games he's actually established a pretty high floor with you know two or three catches for i'd say six games in a row now and he's an absolute monster i mean he's six foot six 267 pounds so he should become 
more of a red zone weapon going forward. So I love his four ceiling combo uh, this week at 2,500. All right. A guy I'm pretty high on is uh, Evan Ingram. Uh, I have him ranked number four. I was on him last week and the thesis is pretty much the same. Uh, It didn't work out in terms of production. He had just four receptions for 32 yards against the Seahawks, but he had eight targets. uh, And there aren't many other tight ends with that kind of volume since week seven. He has 8.2 targets per game with at least eight targets in every game but one. Uh, so he's pretty much the guy that uh, outside of the top three, if I had to go with someone in the middle tier, he's the one that I would probably be looking at. And it's based almost solely on volume here. Scott, who are you fading? Uh, yeah. So Darren Waller in a bottom five matchup against the Colts, is just like really a, a brutal matchup. And I did look up that stat before uh, Darren Waller, three games of 50 plus uh, of more than 50 receiving yards. TJ Hawkinson has eight. So it's just, um, I don't know. I don't think it's the spot for Waller. He's, he's expensive. I, I do like Hawkinson quite a bit. Sean, who are you fading? Hayden Hurst. Uh, you know, he's been averaging uh, about 80% routes run per drop back over the first 10 games and barely hang on to tight end one value. Uh, but it's dipped to the 67% range the past two games. They've actually been getting Jaden Graham more run. So that scares me a bit enough for me to fade him, even though I do like his price at 3,700. You just can't trust him right now. Rayvon. Oh, by the way, I should just say, Sean, uh, this is not relevant at all, but I'm going to take time out of the show to mention it. Uh, Hurst and Jaden Graham actually look similar. If you just look at their, <laughs> yeah. their player profiles. Uh, I mean, there's the possibilities or the coaches are just like, I don't know, whichever one of you guys gets out. <laughs> I've on never the thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Rayvon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> more, more trenchant analysis to come in the future. Uh, Rayvon, who are, uh, who are you fading here? So one guy I'm fading is uh, Mike Gesicki. Uh, he had a good matchup last week, and, and I think people are going to look at Kansas City and say, okay, well, uh, he is, you know, he's the guy that's going to kind of benefit if Parker, a lot of people are going to be off Parker. Uh, I don't think that's necessarily the case. You know, Gesicki's kind of like a glorified slot receiver, and Kansas City does know how to take those guys away, and I think they'll treat him as such in this one. So um, we could see a lot of different schemes from Spags who you really don't want to mess with. Um, when you're like one of the uh, top players on an opposing offense. And then uh, both of the Philly tight ends, I'm, I'm fading them again. You know, I know that, you know, Goddard had a pretty decent game last week, but again, you know, we don't, this past, these, this quarterback situation kind of makes it, it's kind of like a Taysom situation. You'll probably get more scrambles on, you know, per drop back. And remember Carson Wentz was the, like the number one quarterback in terms of targeting tight ends and Jalen Hurts we saw him have some success with um, you know ad-libbing a play to Greg Ward we saw him connect on a deep ball to Jalen Rager so I think Jalen Hurts will be able to um, just kind of get the wide receivers involved a little bit more and that means that like some of those numbers like essentially their whole career numbers for Goddard and Hurts in terms of their targets per per route and all that stuff um those are kind of bumped by the fact that Wentz was such uh you know tight end heavy in terms of his target so um and New Orleans by the way is number two in DVOA against uh, the position so um fading Ertz and Goddard as well 
All right, a guy I'm staying away from is Noah Fant. And uh, Sean, this this ties into the analysis that you had earlier on uh, on Jerry Judy. Uh, it's a situation where since Judy has emerged and since KJ Hamler has returned, Fant has just been de-emphasized within that offense because there's not enough opportunities to go around. Uh, in weeks one through eight, he had a team high 7.2 targets per game, 20% target share. Since week nine, uh, he has a four uh, he has 4.8 targets per game and a 15% target share behind the three wide receivers. Uh, so just a, a negative situation in terms of the way that his usage has been trending. So I will be staying away from Noah Fant. Sean, give us the tight end prop. Uh, I want to do Mike Gesicki this week. And I, Ray Bunner, you tipped his hand, but he's been very tricky to project this year. Uh, you know, he's coming off a nine catch, 88 yard, one touchdown game. Can we finally trust him or is he going to go back to his Three catches for 30 yards we've become accustomed to with Tua on your center. Um, so right now I have his uh, receiving yards projected at 42 and a half. Uh, I'll go under. Uh, I actually have it pretty close. I have it uh, right around 40. Um, but uh, again, Cincinnati, that that matchup last week, um, he was, Gesicki was popping in our models like crazy. And uh, it, it's because Cincinnati was one of, had the, one of the worst opponent plus minuses. They were giving up something like four point. I believe it was 4.6 more points than they should have been to the average tight end. Um, so that that's kind of inflating it a, a little bit. And I think again, Spagnolo, uh, KJ Hamler was my under, he's been the slot receiver for Denver. He was my under on the show last week and he had 16 yards. Um, so just remember that like Gasicki is kind of like that slot receiver that Spagnolo can um, scheme mm-hmm. against. Yeah, Sean, um, I have this projected at 42.7. But I know that's like, no, no. I know that's sort of like a a mean versus median thing. So uh, I would be taking the under on this one, although I would say it's close, but I would lean under here. Uh, Scott, do you have a lean either way? Yeah, I'm going to take that 0.2 receiving yards and equity that you're leaving on the table and then hammer the over. (laughs) Nice. All right. Uh, Scott, tell us about the content that people should be checking out at Fantasy Points. Fantasy points, me, Graham Barfield, John Hansen, Greg Cassell, Adam Kaplan, Joe Dolan, et cetera, et cetera. You know, DFS dankness, get in our Discord or Discord's fire. Uh, Johnny Proctor's helping out there as well. Betting stuff, it's just it's just the best. And you can check out all my dank stats there uh, for like, I don't know, $5 or subs are super cheap right now. All right, be sure to follow Scott on Twitter at Scott Barrett DFB. You can follow Sean, Chris, and me in the Action Network app at the underscore odds maker, Chris Raybon, and Matt F. The Oracle. Use the app to get real-time odds and track your bets for free. Be sure to check out our rankings and Sean's tiers at the Action Network and Raybon's DFS breakdown and my positional breakdowns at Fantasy Labs. And by the way, speaking of something you should check out, uh, on the site right now, courtesy of Michael Leboff, editor extraordinaire, we have a breakdown of the 2020 PDC world darts championship which starts on december 15th that's right darts we are talking about darts i think we're getting into a weird area here hello dear action network podcast listeners my name is michael leboff and i'm an editor here at the action network if you're listening to this podcast you probably never heard of me before but that's okay that's because i like to spend my days betting on darts so when i pitched chad millman on the idea of doing an episode previewing the 2021 PDC World Darts Championships, he told me to fuck right off and get back to work. So I did what any sane employee did and cut a backroom deal with our producer, Matt Mitchell. So here I am. So why do I feel so enthusiastic about the World Darts Championships? 
Well, Mahatma Gandhi had his thing, and my thing is trying to get more and more people to watch darts, and there's no better time to start than the 2021 World Darts Championships. Picture March Madness, but on ecstasy. So we'll talk logistics. The PDC World Darts Championship is the biggest event on the darting calendar, with 128 players from all over the world competing to lift the trophy. The best part is that these professional athletes look like they were plucked straight from a bar stool at your local dive. There's hope for you yet. Michael Van Gerwen, the Tiger Woods of darts, he's that bald guy who you've probably seen YouTube videos of, is the tournament favorite at plus 225. Right behind him is certified lunatic and former professional rugby player Gerwin, Iceman Price of Wales. But like in golf, betting favorites in a darts tournament is for chumps. So instead, I'm going to back three players at longer odds. First up is my man Glenn Duzza Durant at 30 to 1. Duzza's 50 years old, so he's still in his darting prime, and he's spent the last decade or so tearing up the BDO dart circuit. Uh, his walk-on song is I'm Loving Angels Instead by Robbie Williams, which is weird, but uh, if you watch it, it's kind of electric. The guy's a killer. 30 to 1, great number. Lock it in. Next up is the Polish Eagle, Krzysztof Rutaski at 50 to 1. Not only does he have a nickname straight out of a Tarantino film, but the Polish Eagle can score in bunches and ranks 8th in the world in scoring average. Why he's 50-1, to 1, I'm not totally sure. This number is ludicrous. It's like getting Ohio State at 50-1 to 1 to win the college football playoff. He's that good. That brings me to my last pick, Dirk Van Dwevenboot at 80-1. to 1. Van Dwevenboot is fresh off a runner-up finish at the Grand Prix of Darts, in which he lost to Gerwin Price, so he's shown he can kind of dust up with the big boys at a big tournament. Now... The best part is that he considers himself just a part-time darts player. His full-time job is working on an eggplant farm. That's the kind of commitment you want to bet on in a tournament like this. So there you have it. The World Darts Championship runs from December 15th through January 3rd, so there's plenty of time to get action down. And what better way to usher in the holiday spirit than to bet on some beard-bellied Europeans across the pond? Good luck and happy holidays. I don't tell you what to do with your money. Don't fucking tell me what to do with mine, okay? Instantly, I regret saying that. That was a horrible thing to say. I love y'all very much. Uh, also, subscribe to and rate and review the show and listen and download on Spotify. And see you again next episode. We're finished talking. <laughs>